Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your co-host today, Jen, and I am here with an author for the second time, um, and I am so excited to discuss this book, which has just completely rocked my world. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and the book, please? Yes, of course. My name is Daniel Krauss. I am a writer of novels, mostly. Um, about, I mean, if you count the graphic novels, I'm at 20 or 21. I can't remember how many. Uh, the new one's called Whale Fall. Um, and it is probably my favorite book that I've done. Um, and it's, I, one of the reasons I like this book or like talking about it is it's one of the few books I can ex explain in a sentence and it makes sense, mm. uh, which I think is a, it's a good sign for readers. Like it's, I guess that's what is considered high concept. You can just, who here's what it is. It's the 100% scientifically accurate story of a scuba diver who was swallowed by a whale and has one hour of air to get out. It is, um, it is an absolutely uh, electric visceral read. It, it is like one of the few books uh, to do this to me where like I really couldn't read it at night because it just got me so stressed out that I could not then get into like, all right, let's go to sleep and, you know, prepare for dreams. It was so great. And, you know, I, I do think it's very interesting that you said it does have this sort of like ready-made elevator pitch um, because the, the last book that you came here to talk about, which was one of my favorite books from last year, The Ghost That Ate Us, um, is like a little bit harder to sort yeah. of put into words. Um, so I'm wondering like, what led you um, from that project to this one? Um, like, what were you trying new this time? And mm -hmm. uh, like, what new things were you exploring? And do you think that there are themes that you were still thinking about from the last one in this one? Well, I, I definitely, you know, in my career have tried to take right turns or left turns, I guess is probably the more accurate uh, term uh, with every book. Like, uh, my MO has always been to try to surprise myself and to try to uh, put myself into unusual positions where I have to sort of figure, figure out a new way to write. I think um, the only way to stop, um, to prevent one from repeating oneself is to create new roadblocks and new obstacles. Um, and that's something that's both, I'm talking thematically, I'm talking about character and plot, I'm talking about you know, present or past tense. I'm talking um, just the prose style. Uh, you know, with the ghost that goes to data that was written in a in a nonfiction style. It was written like a fake nonfiction book. So it had this very objective tone and footnotes and all this sort of stuff like that. Um, and so the my inclination then is to swing completely away from that, which is this m massively subjective um, inside someone's head. Um, really real-time uh, thriller, really. Um, so that's certainly by intent. Um, beyond that, there's nothing connecting the two except that I don't want it, them to be similar. I don't. I don't really. I can't understand the the heads that 
you know, or on book 12 in the series. I just could not ever possibly do that. I have to, to, to try to completely uh, start from scratch each time. And I think that um, is good for me. It's, it's not necessarily good for the books. Uh, the cliche is basically true. Like readers do kind of want you to stay in the, the same pocket. And whenever I do kind of go far out, I definitely lose readers. There's no question about it. But if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to write at all. I would just be too depressed by having to, to, to stay in the same circles. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I think it's a really interesting swing between that one and this one. And I do, um, I can absolutely see how this is like, yeah, a hard left turn from the last book. Um, with this one, can you talk about, you know, I hate the question. I know everybody hates the question, like, where do your ideas come from? So I don't ask that. But like, did this book have an inception point? Like, was it mm -hmm. an image or an idea? Yeah. Or like, where did, where did it begin? Yeah, I don't hate that question at all. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a fine question. Uh, I Again, I particularly like it with this one, because unlike a lot of my books, I really do have a, a firm answer. Um, and when people read the book, it's sort of covered in the author's note. Um, but I, I really, it really did start with an exact, I can pinpoint point it almost to the, the hour of the exact day, but I was, um, hanging out with some friends, uh, off Lake Michigan and this was during COVID. So we were sort of hanging out outside. It was in the winter. So it was very cold. And the other two people I was hanging with had both seen this viral video of, uh, um, a couple kayakers ending up in the mouth of a whale. Um, and there's there's a number of videos out there like this. They kind they kind of surface once every few years. There'll be someone who captures something like this. Usually the headlines will say, you know, fishermen swallowed by a whale. It's never true. They're not ever swallowed. Uh, most whale throats are the size of like a soup can. There's no way they could swallow a human. Um, but they do get mouthed. And I'm not gonna I'm not trying to try to say that it's not also scary <laughs> to be mouthed by a whale. So. In this case, like many others, in the video, you can see these two kayakers and this whale jumps out. It's a humpback whale and sort of smashes right on top of them with them both in their mouth. And like like in all these instances, they're pretty much immediately like expat out. Um, and as soon as they said it, they'd both seen it and I hadn't. But as soon as they said it, it the, the idea popped in my head. I was like, wow, could someone could you write a story that took this premise seriously? Like we've, this premise is like, goes back before, I mean, it goes back to ancient times. I mean, I think it probably goes back to before there's written records, this fear of being eaten by things that are bigger than us, um, whether it was bears or whales or whatever, this sort of like primal fear. Um, and of course it's in the Bible. It's, you know, you see it in Pinocchio and Arthur C. Clarke's childhoods and it pops up in myth and story, um, but no one's ever taken it seriously as a scientific fact. Like, what would that be like? Could you actually survive in there? Um, so, you know, the next, the very next morning I got up, I watched the video and begun researching or reaching out to people to see if such a thing was even potentially possible. Mm. Yeah, I'm really curious about what that research was like. Like, did you talk to um, marine biologists or uh, or like do, do reading? Because, you know, it is funny that you mentioned Pinocchio um, and, you know, Jonah, because I think both those things really 
led me to sort of non-critically have this idea of the inside of a whale as just being a big cavernous space, you know? <laughs> and it's not like that at all, obviously. Um, so I'm wondering like, yeah, like what what was your approach to the research and how did that shape your storytelling? Yeah, I always do a ton of research, but this was very different. Um, usually I just get read a ton of books. And this, I had to start from a complete, complete nothing because there's not really any ready research out there about this. Um, I didn't even know if it was possible. Uh, so I contacted my friend, Mary Roach, who's a um, well-known nonfiction writer. And she, oh, um, yeah, yeah. She's helped me in a lot of, on a lot of books when I need some weird little detail here or there. She's interviewed everyone about every weird thing. And I asked her if she'd ever encountered anyone who said it was possible to be swallowed by a whale. And she had, I had forgotten. It slipped my mind that she had a book called Gulp that was all about swallowing it was all about like swallowing things and there was a couple pages in there where um she talks to someone who says uh, a whale scientist who said yeah if it were a sperm whale specifically a sperm whale it is theoretically possible because sperm whales are the one whale that have uh, bigger throats um and so she sent me to him and i talked to him and i introduced myself and i said look i'm a writer i have this weird idea i want to know if it's like if I should quit this right now, or if there's something to it. And he reaffirmed that, yeah, it was possible. And it was an intriguing idea. And he hooked me up with a couple other scientists. Um, and this web kind of went on and on. And I met more and more um, whale scientists, diving experts. But those three scientists really became the three main people that I would go to, especially over the, the, the first month or two, um, which really was all. I started reading books, but really the research was first person. Like I was really just doing interviews. So I'd ask, I would talk to these three experts um, as often as they would allow me to. I would, we would do phone calls, we would do Zooms, emails, and I would pose to them like problems. I was like, all right, so if, if you're in the mouth, uh, what happens in the mouth? How is the mouth connected to the throat? What happens when you're in the throat? What would that feel like? What would a stomach look like? What would it smell like? What would it, um, what was, how hot or cold is it? Mm -hmm. And a lot of these questions they had answers to. Some of them they didn't and had never thought about before. But what was so great is, I mean, whale people have become my favorite people. Like they just, from what I can tell, just loved the process. Like they were really excited by the questions and got super creative with their answers. And really the plot of the book is, um, you know, it's led by me, but they came up with a lot of the, the coolest ideas because I would just say, could you do this? And they would say, no, you couldn't do that, but you could do something like that if you use this or that. Um, cause really all the diver doesn't, all he has is the, what's already in the whale. Those are the only tools he has. Um, so it was a, it was, it was a weird process that was exciting and, daunting because I knew zero about whales um, starting out. Uh, and I know a lot about them now, but it really was going to school, going to whale school for at least two or three months before I could even really even outline the book because I had to understand what, what would even happen in there. Yeah. Wow. That is fascinating. And yeah, it sounds like a really fascinating research project i'm wondering did you also read any fiction in preparation because i feel like there are a couple of subtle shout outs to like 
subtle and not so subtle shout outs to like a uh, maritime literature, you know? <laughs> yeah, there are some, I, I read, I finally read Moby Dick, which I had never had. Um, I had my shelf for uh, 30 years and finally read that and loved that. I don't, not, no other fiction jumps to mind. I mean, the book, the book involves John Steinbeck in some significant ways because the book takes place in Monterey um, where he lived and there's a lot of, and wrote about a lot. So um, there's a, there's a, a Cannery Row, especially was a, a book that is important to the the novel. Um, but aside from Moby Dick and Cannery, I can't think of any nonfiction that jumps out at me. I'm sorry, fiction. Mm-hmm. Jumps out. I read a lot of nonfiction about whales and diving. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, like the, the, the hardcore, like very accessible, but very comprehensive lesson in whale anatomy that you kind of get reading this book. Um, it's, it's so fascinating because it, you know, it creates fascinating stakes and it's kind of like a bottle episode of a book. Like, and I, I realize you know, like it's, it's stuck in one place, but like that place is like an entire world, you know, an entire ecosystem. Like there's, just like it's it's an entire universe in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, like, was there anything that you had, I guess this is hard to answer maybe, but like, were there things that you had wanted to do plot wise that turned out to be um, impossible? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they, they all started with my ideas. I mean, I would be like, I would wake up and think, all right, I've got it. I know how this guy could get out of the whale. And I would present it to my my whale experts, and they'd be like, "Nope, <laughs> can't do that because of this." I mean, my first thought, of course, anyone's first thought is, "Well, you know." Most people say, "What well, does he have a dive knife with him? Can he just cut himself out of the whale?" And that's a that's a total non-starter. Like it takes when a when a whale beaches, which is really the only time scientists get to study them, mm-hmm. um, it takes them a day to with chainsaws and flensing knives to just get through like the blubber. Like it's there's no way you're cutting yourself out of that whale in in an hour. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would have lots of little ideas that didn't fly, um, but I was really starting from nothing. So uh, it was it was then a matter of guiding them to come up with to come up with ideas um, or to to meet me halfway with ideas that would make sense. And boy, did they ever! And a lot of times they didn't even know they were doing it, but like. Um, I, I, there's, there's a limit to what I can say because of spoilers, but mm. you know, uh, sometimes I would have a crazy idea and I would say, what about this? Could, could a diver do this wild thing? And they would be like, I never thought of that, but yeah, they probably could. <laughs> this is how they would do it. Um, and it was, you know, the, the diving was almost as complex as this whale anatomy to me. Cause I'm not a diver. I don't really swim. Um, for this book, I, you know, I did learn to scuba dive just so I would know what that's like, but it's, that's against my nature. It's not something I was eager to do. Um, but, and I, of course I, you know, did, although it was mid pandemic, I did fly out to Monterey and visited the monastery beach It's called, which is precisely where the book takes place. Um, so I did, I did everything I could to make it as realistic as possible. Nice. Speaking of the pandemic, um, I did notice that like it features sort of like not so much as a plot device, really, but as just sort of like uh, 
ambient uh, stuff going on in the book, like because it's happening in the book as well. And that was true in The Ghost That Ate Us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really curious about, um, you know, setting things during like setting things during the pandemic that aren't about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, like how does that shape the storytelling? And was it is it more about like is it about shaping plot or character or just mood? It, it's an interesting question. Um, when I was working on the ghost that ate us, of course, I wrote it. Um, the first draft had no pandemic in it, but then of course the pandemic happened. And that book, for all sorts of reasons, was very much tied to dates. Um, when certain dates that things happen historically and how they affect people who are a certain age now. And I couldn't change the dates. And suddenly I had all this plot of, of people doing all these things during the pandemic. So I decided just to go back and insert the pandemic into the the real the real life. And it made the story richer. I, I found that um, it was a really good change and it felt like it felt more honest too. Like I wasn't trying to get out from under or something. And it really just it enhanced everything. It made it feel more realistic. Um, I was able to like actually draw out some character traits and themes that I hadn't expected. Um, and so this was the same way. Like I could have, you know, I, instead of setting it in 2022 or whenever, I can't remember exactly what year it's set in. I think 2022. I could have, I could have said, okay, it's set in, it's set in 2019, but that it would just feel like it was so, I'd be so obviously avoiding it. Like <laughs> I'm setting it, randomly three years ago so i can avoid the pandemic mm-hmm. that felt like a, a weak dodge uh so i decided just to embrace it again and again i found it to be um really useful you know you could really it really brought out it amplified just like the pandemic did in real life it sort of it didn't change us it it showed us who we were yes. and i found out that the pandemic did the same to my characters like it did show you what they're made of what they valued etc etc it's a super interesting uh storytelling technique and i remember being really taken aback and impressed when it was used in um oh gosh that the ryan johnson movie glass onion you know there's a scene where everybody is walking to a dock and it's just like two three months into the pandemic it's super new and everybody shows up in like a different kind of mask or lack thereof you know and it was such a great shorthand for telling who like a whole bunch of people are really quickly and what I like about the your novels is that you know they're not just in one moment they sort of do take place over like larger time spans so you see people's like evolving reactions to it you know and what they do over time um can we talk a little bit about the family dynamics of the book just take a little bit of a turn um you tell us about our protagonist and you know, how you shaped the relationship with his father, because he's obviously looms uh, heavily over the book and it the relationship drives so much of um, so many of the protagonist's choices. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, where all of that um, began and how you shaped it? Yeah, I mean, for people who haven't read it yet, it's Essentially, Jay, the, the the kid in the book, his dad was a um, a major diver in the Monterey area, like sort of a, a local legend of diving, but but a, a troubled guy in some ways, could never hold down a job, felt sort of um, insufficient as a provider, uh, and tried to tried to introduce Jay to um, the world of the sea in too pushy of a way, 
ended up pushing Jay away in a lot of ways, in most respects. And then when, and then eventually he does something that's sort of beyond the pale and Jay leaves home and spends his last couple of years of high school sort of with friends. Um, and then uh, Jay's dad at, during that time uh, contracts uh, cancer and Jay won't forgive him, won't come back. And the, the book starts out with Jay going to the reason he's in the water um, he doesn't, he, you know, he stays away from diving now because of his dad, but his dad, you know, dying of cancer threw himself off a boat a year ago. So Jay is going to try to find his bones as sort of a peace token um, to his family who thought he should have come see his father. So there's a lot, it, it's, you know, it's quite simple in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you could sum it up as his dad was mean to him and, and they were estranged. Um, but yeah, it drives everything in the book. And um, it's 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 a definitely a topic I've written about before. I think my first, I'd say three books were all sort of about these strained father-son relationships. Um, they were just something that I, I'm familiar with and uh, was interested in writing about. And then, you know, then I essentially tried to get away with it because I felt like I, I'm talking about this a lot. Um, I'm going to write about different things. And I think I successfully did that. I wrote about all sorts of different characters and uh, themes. Uh, and then when this idea came to me uh, for Wellfall, it, it felt so, it's like there was the kind of idea that immediately I knew this was a big idea. Um, it's what kind of this kind of one of those ideas where you think, how is it possible no one has done this? <laughs> um, and I immediately searched around to see if someone had done this before, and no one had. And you know, the relationship between the diver and whoever is sort of guiding them in the whale could have been anything. Um, so I could have forced myself away from that relationship to write about some other kind of relationship. Um, but in in a way, it felt like the book was daring me to to write about fathers and sons again. Um, and in a very, very head on way, like it wasn't through really metaphor or uh, these sort of more oblique ways I was writing about it before. Like this was kind of almost like the final word on it. Like I could just take this on straight on um, and have this be sort of my definitive statement on it. And so I decided just to embrace it um, I wanted this book to be as like emotional and as powerful as I could. And I thought that was probably my best route to mm. that because it's where I, um, a lot of my most passionate of my fiction is um, grounded. Mm. It is like, uh, just, it's so heartbreakingly depicted and it is such a, um, it's such an interesting um motivation um because uh like going out into the ocean to sort of try to find his father it is at once like it's at once like confronting the his issue head on and also completely avoiding it and refusing yeah. to look at the actual issue you know and it makes so much sense as a teenage move too. a teenage yeah, right. like a kid who's on the brink of adulthood and that does lead me to another question i had which is um um, you know, writing a teen protagonist, but for adult readers, you know, like and, and oftentimes like adults are so condescending and dismissive 
and almost like disdainful of the ways that teenagers think and act. You know, so how do you, when you are crafting a teen protagonist for adults, like how do you sort of like, because the whole book is about how like adults and teens can't connect really. You know, how do you sort of like overcome that net, you know, like how do you make that teen um, somebody that your readers can connect to? Yeah, I mean, the decision to make him young really was um, uh, originally just a practical one. Uh, the For the swallowing to be realistic, the whale would have to be really big and the person would have to be fairly small. Um, so I, I wanted someone who could be, you know, quite slender. Um, and that his his size even is sort of a uh, something that pops up in the book about him not being big enough or strong enough for his dad. Uh, so that all kind of worked fed into the character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of d- dictated that he was going to be young. Um, and that it was almost like it, it happens. I think it sort of happens logically. Like the whale experts tell me I need someone small. I decide they're going to be a teen. The fact that there's a teen makes me think, okay, well, maybe the, the relationship, you know, it probably is not going to be with another teen if it's this grounded and deep seated. So now it's going to become about a teen and a parent. So it's like it's almost like the physicality of the whale told me what to write about as far as the characters. Um, as far as like pitching a young character to adult readers, it's you know it's just not something I I give any thought to really. Um, I've written anytime that I've written teen characters, and some of my books are YA, um, and some of my books are adult, and really there's there's very little distinction about between them, how I write about the characters. Um, it, it's, it, you could take a lot of my way and publish them as adult um, and vice versa. Um, it, as long as there's a young character, I think it's grist for either mill. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's, it, it lends itself. I don't, I don't think there's very much difference in upper YA and a, adult, um, at least the way I write it. There are certainly differences with other people. Uh, that changes, of course, once if you start sliding down towards middle grade, there's big differences. Yeah, uh, but it's it's really not something that uh, I even think about. Mm, that is so interesting to me. Yeah, because I mean, I guess a lot of it is like to just accomplish by being inside his head, you know. Because when we, I guess, now I'm projecting about how I think of teenagers in my own life, but I guess like we don't have the benefit of access to their thoughts, and so we don't always have the most generous assumption of, you know, what they're thinking about feeling. So I just think it was, you know, such a, um, like a a well-done and realistic teen protagonist, but who just, like, made such good choices for horror and also good choices for like the chip he's got on his shoulder you know and it just all felt like so organic in terms of his behavior and as you said like the whale anatomy and the setting and it's just like it's such a well-done story and you know just thank you for writing it it was such a pleasure to read (laughs) oh well thank you I mean it was it was a pleasure to write like it was it was a such a different process for me and and in a lot of ways a different kind of book for me um but it was very fulfilling. So it's been really great to hear the responses to it. Great. So what is your next uh, hard left turn? <laughs> oh, it's it's already ha- very hard left turned. <laughs> um, I'm working on um, finishing up right now a, a straight up science fiction novel. Like I'm talking like spaceships and stuff, like which is something I've never, ever done. Uh, so it's a it's another dramatic turn. Um, that has absolutely no similarities to this whatsoever. 
<laughs> do you um not to you know psych psychoanalyze you because I won't do that but like do you feel like you pick new topics a lot too because you like the research process and how that guides your storytelling choices I definitely do like research I mean I, I find so many good plot turns in research I come up with like a, a rough idea and then while researching them that's when I come up with all the cool ideas that really make it work it's like comes from the research not my brain so I think <laughs> I think that has been so successful for me that I do seek out books that involve research, whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, so not always, not always. Uh, every once in a while, there's a book that requires no research at all. Um, mm -hmm. And that it presents its own challenges. Now, well, I hope, um, you know, again, that you'll consider coming back because, um, you know, they say that like the ocean is the the place that we know the least about except for space. So now, now we're going into a, 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 an even lesser known place next. So I hope you'll come back and talk about space someday. <laughs> oh, yes, I would love to. Great. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Please check out Whale Fall. By the time that you hear this episode, it will be available. So you can find it at your favorite independent bookstore or library. Thank you so much for joining us. It is time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.